A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm glad you joined us on this Thursday, September 29th. Uh, the last Cam and Company of the week. But we will be, of course, updating BearingArms.com all day Friday throughout the weekend as well, just to make sure that you are up to date on all of the news you need to know about. And there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a, a hearing in Syracuse, New York today in federal court uh, taking on New York's new sensitive places uh, restrictions, as well as some of the other uh, concealed carry laws put in place in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision, New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. Now, this particular hearing is before a federal judge who has already said that many of these new provisions are unconstitutional. It was just that the uh, folks who sued did not have standing to do so. So, Gunners of America uh, have uh, revised their complaint. They have some additional plaintiffs, and they believe that they do have standing now. Um, I, I hesitate to even bring up this hearing because there's a slim chance that the judge could actually issue a ruling today, and what I just said might be a little out of date by the time you see this, but uh, I expect that uh, it will probably be Friday, maybe even Monday or uh, some part of early next week before we get a decision from the federal judge as to whether or not uh, this new request for a restraining order blocking the enforcement of uh, some of these provisions in New York's new laws will, in fact, be granted. But in the meantime, we know that blue states around the country are looking at New York as the model legislation, basically, for their own post-Bruin restrictions from California to New Jersey. As a matter of fact, uh, we are seeing uh, almost identical language being introduced in state legislatures or plans to introduce uh, identical language in state legislatures. From Hawaii, a uh, bill, Bill 220, was introduced this week by uh, one of the uh, Hawaii County commissioners. Now, this is not a state-level bill. This is a uh, uh, a county council bill. So this would apply for all of Hawaii County. Uh, introduced by Hilo Councilmember Aaron Chung, it would amend Hawaii County Code to add an article related to licenses to carry both concealed and unconcealed firearms. Uh, this was apparently put in place at the request of the former police chief uh, there in uh, Hawaii County. And the uh, new provisions are pretty extensive. Uh, Chung says, quote, they, meaning the Supreme Court, opened the door. They validated the idea that you can restrict having concealed weapons in certain areas, but they didn't specify where those sensitive areas would be. And so Aaron Chung said, well, since they opened the door, let's just burst it wide open here and shove as much crap through as possible. The Supreme Court did not lay out an exhaustive list of sensitive places. However, the Supreme Court's decision in uh, Bruin made it very clear that we're talking about a general right to carry arms in public for the purposes of self-defense, a general right to carry in public, right? And some of the locations that they mentioned uh, specifically, they mentioned schools, they mentioned polling places, legislative assemblies. Those are the three places that they mentioned. Everybody seems to agree, okay, fine, those are sensitive places. Um, but when you're talking again about a general right to carry, as the Supreme Court made clear, the bigger the list of sensitive places, the more likely it is that you are infringing on that general right to carry. Uh, and the Supreme Court warned the state of New York, for example, uh, against declaring the entire island of Manhattan a gun-free zone. Well, New York hasn't declared the entirety of Manhattan to be a gun-free zone, but they have declared Times Square, 
to be a gun-free zone. They have declared uh, virtually all private property to be a gun-free zone, most publicly accessible places to be gun-free zones as well. In fact, when New York Governor uh, Kathy Hochul was asked uh, while these uh, new bills were being debated, well, not even debated, rushed through the legislature, I think is a better way to describe it, where folks would be able to carry under the new rules, she kind of smirked and said, well, maybe some city streets. And she's basically right. That is, in essence, what's allowed under the new rules in New York, which is why I believe they're going to be struck down. Because, again, when we're talking about a general right to do something, um, New York has instead introduced general prohibitions. And there are only narrow exceptions to what is, in essence, a statewide ban on concealed carry. Uh, Hawaii, this bill that dropped in Hawaii County, not much different. Uh, hospitals, medical facilities, medical offices, and or medical clinics would be gun-free zones, as would schools, colleges, universities, and or other places where persons are assembled for educational, literary, or scientific purposes. Yeah, again, you can already see the expansion, right? Well, the Supreme Court said that schools are okay. So why don't we just say that anything that can have a an educational function or a literary function or a scientific function, uh, therefore, is like a school, and guns could be banned. Uh, daycare centers, playgrounds, parks, and or other places where children gather. That's right. How dare you as a mom or dad want to protect your kid? Not allowed to, apparently, even in a public park. Any churches or religious assemblies. Again, doesn't matter if you as a pastor or a rabbi or a, uh, a mom want to have armed parishioners, perhaps to serve as church security under this bill in Hawaii. You wouldn't be able to. Not allowed. Voter service centers or places of deposit. And any uh, appurtenances? I've never seen that. I've never had to pronounce that word before. Appurtenances there too. As defined by Section 11.1 of the Hawaii Revised Statute. And uh, places where people are assembled for an event. Social gathering, rally, demonstration, or public exhibition that requires the issuance of a permit. Yeah. Uh, along with, by the way, government buildings, courthouses, judiciary buildings, and the accompanying parking lots attached to such buildings, uh, and a private property ban, right? Uh, basically, all private property that's open to the public, where it is not conspicuously posted that the public carry of firearms is allowed. So again, a de facto ban on concealed carry on all private property. Some of these... Uh, no-go zones for gun owners that uh, Hawaii County wants to put in place have been challenged in other parts of the country since Bruin. Uh, and I should note, have been successfully challenged. There was a, a case just this week that was brought by Gun Owners of America and the Virginia Citizens Defense League. Uh, they sued the city of Winchester over some of its uh, local gun-free zones put in place after the state legislature in Virginia uh, weekend of the state's firearm preemption law back in 2020. And a judge ruled that the ban on uh, concealed carry uh, during permitted events uh, and in parks uh, was, in fact, a violation of the Virginia state constitution uh, held uh, in, in place bans on carrying in uh, rec centers uh, and uh, other government buildings. So it wasn't a, a total win. Uh, for Second Amendment advocates, but we did get at least some of those uh, ordinances uh, halted uh, from being enforced anyway. And again, some of those same provisions uh, are in place in Hawaii. Now, 
the uh, primary argument that was used in Virginia was the Virginia state constitution. But I would argue, and there are a lot of other uh, sharp legal minds, uh, legal minds that are sharper than mine, uh, like Dave Copel, research director of the Independence Institute, who have warned Colorado municipalities that uh, things like bans on guns in parks probably aren't going to fly. You know, a, a park is not a sensitive place just because the public gathers there, just because there might be kids playing there. Uh, if there's no additional screening, uh, if there aren't any metal detectors, if there aren't police, uh, uh, you know, officers stationed there, if there's no evidence that the county government of Hawaii County considers parks to be so sensitive that people there are, are, are in need of extra protection that must be supplied by the state, well, it's really hard to argue that it's legitimately a sensitive place. Uh, as for the uh, de facto private property bans, we are seeing this uh, elsewhere as well. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy says that a uh, new bill uh, adding to the uh, list of gun-free zones in New Jersey is, quote, imminent and, yes, will include private property restrictions. He was speaking uh, on the Ask the Governor program this week and uh, said that churches, entertainment venues, and uh, private property, quote, unless you, the homeowner, explicitly says otherwise, would be designated as gun-free zones uh, under this proposed bill, which he says is coming within a month or two. Okay, we'll see. Uh, I, I have no doubt that we will see anti-gun legislation in New Jersey. Uh, the question is, if uh, anti-gun Democrats in New Jersey wait a couple of months, what is the legal landscape going to look like in terms of these sensitive spaces? Because uh, these gun-free zones again, are being challenged in court. And I don't think many of them are going to stand. I understand, I, I, I do get, by the way, why the gun control groups are doing this. Uh, as uh, Aaron Chung, that uh, county council member in Hawaii, said, well, uh, the Supreme Court opened the door for this. By declining to list an exhaustive uh, 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 you know, number of, uh, quote-unquote, sensitive places, the Supreme Court did, in a way, open the door uh, for this abuse of the Bruin decision by anti-gun politicians. However, these anti-gun politicians are also still clearly abusing what the Supreme Court had to say, because as I mentioned, the court made it clear that an exhaustive uh, and expansive list of gun-free zones was not going to withstand constitutional scrutiny. You know, the test that was laid out by the Supreme Court in the Bruin case basically tells governments that they have to be able to justify these bans uh, not based on any cockamamie theory that, uh, well, if we prevent people from protecting themselves, somehow that's going to lead to less violent crime. Instead, they have to look towards the text of the Second Amendment. They have to look towards the uh, history of the right to keep bear arms in this country. And unless they can find some sort of historical analog, uh, particularly at the time of the founding or the ratification of the 14th Amendment to the gun control law that they are either defending or the gun control law they want to put in the books, that law is presumptively unconstitutional. Uh, and you simply don't have these types of broad, again, incredibly expansive areas where the exercise of a constitutionally protected right is off limits. You can't find it. Uh, there might be an outlier here or there, some town that uh, passed a ban on carrying firearms in uh, most areas, maybe had it on the books for a year or two. But by and large, that is not what the tradition of the right to keep and bear arms in this country looks like. And uh, I, again, I think it's going to be very, very difficult 
uh, for these anti-gun lawmakers to justify these expansive uh, number of gun-free zones. But first uh, test uh, is in New York, and uh, hopefully we will soon see again whether or not these uh, gun laws will stand uh, or fall, or at least, at the very least, be put on hold uh, while the uh, case is being litigated in federal court. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, and our recidivist report. We'll start there. Sixth time was the charm for a man in Mobile, Alabama, who is spending the rest of his life in prison now after convicted of shooting a, a convenience store clerk. It was his sixth felony offense, and that means that uh, he has run out of chances, apparently. Uh, WALA reports that uh, the life sentence without the possibility of parole was automatic uh, because the defendant's five prior felony convictions tagged him as a habitual offender. And that includes, by the way, murder just a decade ago. 2013, this guy Reginald Blevins was convicted in the shooting death of a guy named Joey O'Brien. He was sentenced to 17 years in 2013. But he was already out on probation for murder when he shot and killed a clerk at a gas station in Mobile back in January of 2020. Uh, After that shooting, and he was arrested, a judge revoked his probation on that previous murder charge. But again, first of all, 17 years for murder doesn't sound like a lot to me. But when the murder happened in 2013, and by January of 2020, the convicted killer is already out on probation. What the heck is going on in Alabama? Now, again, we see these stories in red states and blue states. This is this is not just an Alabama problem. But if I lived in the state of Alabama, I'd be raising holy hell right now with my lawmakers asking, uh, what, 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 what's the deal where uh, convicted killers get to get out of prison after less than 10 years? How, how's that working? Can we change that? The uh, 36-year-old Blevins uh, pleaded guilty in 2017 to the uh, murder of Joey O'Brien. The uh, victim's sister said that her uh, brother was in the wrong place at the wrong time, riding his bicycle, uh, and when uh, he was shot. Uh, In addition to that murder, Blevins' rap sheet includes uh, four other convictions, guilty pleas in 2015 to second-degree assault, shooting into an occupied vehicle and third-degree robbery, as well as a 2014 guilty plea to possession of drugs. By the way, it gets even worse. I just realized it got even worse as I'm reading this story. The murder of Joey O'Brien happened in 2013. But Blevins didn't plead guilty until 2017 and was given a 17-year sentence. But by January of 2020, he was already on parole or on probation. So he did what? Less than three years for murder? Before he was released on the streets? I, again, that's just staggering to me. But uh, rather than trying to impose new gun control laws in Alabama, maybe they need to tighten up the criminal control laws instead. Just, a, uh, just an idea. Today's Armed citizen story from Alton, Illinois, where a, a man has been acquitted in a, a fatal shooting by a judge. Yeah, this was a case that actually went to trial. And a judge uh, earlier this week Uh, ruled that 46-year-old Arvin Freeman was justified in shooting 30-year-old Robert Woods uh, back on February 13th, 2021. Uh, Woods passed away as a result of the uh, injuries. Judge Neil Schroeder 
uh, said that a person is justified in using deadly force uh, if they believe that uh, it is necessary to prevent an attack on their home. The judge says the homeowner does not have to wait until the attack occurs to apply deadly force. And the judge went on to note that uh, Arvin Freeman legally owned the gun that he used to uh, fire at Woods. He noted that contrary to the state's version of events that day, uh, Freeman shot Woods in the uh, side of his butt at a uh, bench trial. A doctor testified that the bullet that killed Woods traveled from right to left in uh, Woods' buttocks, hitting an artery and causing the fatal bleeding. Uh, this was a bench trial, so this wasn't a jury trial. It was the judge deciding whether or not uh, Mr. Freeman was going to be found guilty of murder or uh, uh, acquitted. And the judge said that there were multiple occasions, including the day of the shooting, but also before the day of the shooting, where Woods had gone to Freeman's home and had caused a disturbance. In fact, the judge noted that on the day of the shooting, Woods had specifically told Freeman, I'm going to kill you. The judge said that Woods was running away and turned while taking something out of his pocket, uh, which uh, Freeman believed was a gun. The judge said it didn't matter if what Woods retrieved was a gun or not. At that point, Freeman was in justifiable fear for his life and his property. Uh, Defense Attorney Brian Polinski says everybody has a right to protect their home, and this is a perfect example of that. It was a very scary situation. Uh, he said that he also went on to say the state's attorney is opposed to gun control, so therefore he should not oppose this decision. It's, I mean, I, I don't know. That's that, a little bit of shade of the uh, prosecutor. The prosecutor, by the way, did say that the uh, right of self-defense quote is a bedrock value of this office in our community. But he went on to say some cases involve a very difficult mix of facts and circumstances that make a determination on the applicability of such rights difficult. This was one such case. He said, fundamentally, due to its complexity and since a life was taken, we thought it important that a court hear and weigh all the evidence and testimony. The uh, prosecutor added that we are disappointed in the outcome. We respect the determination of the court. All right, so there you go. Uh, Arvin Freeman, uh, originally charged with murder. Case goes to trial, and a, a judge says, no, this was self-defense. And now this uh, Illinois homeowner uh, is hopefully back at home. Today's good deed of the day. Actually, we've got an update for you on yesterday's good deed of the day. Uh, this uh, burning vehicle uh, in Dallas, Texas, where an off-duty officer was in the right place at the right time and able to pull a woman out uh, before the truck became fully engulfed. Apparently wasn't an off-duty officer. Uh, somebody who was dressed in like security-type clothing, but the Dallas Police Department says, nope, not one of our officers. It was originally reported he was an off-duty uh, a cop who just happened to stop. Now nobody knows who it was. Uh, so if you know who that anonymous Good Samaritan in Dallas was, I'm sure that the uh, uh, person who was saved would love to know so they could say thanks. But uh, today's uh, good deed of the day in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. A police officer in Willard, Missouri, who saved the life of a newborn baby. Uh, Taylor Burt and Ray Daughtery's baby Asher was born last month, back on uh, August 12th. And uh, Taylor Burt was not able to make it to the hospital before little baby Asher arrived. Uh, it was a complicated delivery. And when Asher came into the world, he wasn't breathing. Police Sergeant Steve Purdy was the uh, first officer to respond to the scene. When he got there, uh, the mom was already doing CPR on Asher, but the baby was not responding. So Steve Purdy took over. Actually used a little infant CPR mask, hoping that it would help. 
couple of minutes go by, Asher's still not breathing, so the situation is getting incredibly serious at this point. Uh, but eventually, uh, Sergeant Purdy was able to uh, clear the baby's airway, and Asher started breathing. Uh, Steve Purdy said when the baby was breathing on its own, and I was able to hand the baby to its mom, that was much relief. <laughs> Asher's parents, meanwhile, say if it wasn't for him, uh, Sergeant Steve Purdy, and the other guys that showed up who were there, I definitely think it could have gone a lot worse than it did. So, baby Asher is now about six weeks old and uh, doing just fine. Sergeant Steve Purdy, he's a little bit older than six weeks old, but uh, he is on the job, doing good things for the uh, folks here in Willard, Missouri, and we appreciate his uh, life-saving efforts again in the right place at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing. Sergeant Purdy, we thank you for your very, very good deed. Now, that is about all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. Again, I will remind you to be checking out the website throughout the weekend because we do have a lot of stuff going on. We've got new lawsuits that are being filed by the day, uh, both by Second Amendment organizations and by gun control groups, quite frankly. Uh, but we also have a number of court hearings, including the one in New York that I mentioned. That's going to be a big news, and uh, we will keep it covered for you at BearingArms.com. If you uh, like what you see, I would also encourage you to become a VIP member there at Bearing Arms. All you have to do, go to BearingArms.com slash subscribe. Use the promo code GUNRIGHTS and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. And as our way of saying thanks for showing your support, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories and analysis that you won't find anywhere else because your support does matter. And it really does make a difference. So thank you again. We'll be back with another edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Monday. We're going to be talking next week as well with Alan Gottlieb of the Second Amendment Foundation. They have the Gun Rights Policy Conference going on this weekend in Dallas, Texas. I am bummed that I'm not going to be able to make it there in person this year, but uh, Alan is going to get us caught up on all of the great speakers and great events coming up in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth this weekend. If you're able to attend GRPC, congratulations. Tell everybody I said, hey, we'll see you again soon. Until then, be well, be safe. Be free.